2: To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.
3: Hey, this is Annie, and you're listening to Stuff Mom Never Told You. Today we are going to pick up on our... Discussion around trauma that that warranted a two part episode, and this is the second part. Before we dive in, um, just to reiterate the trigger warnings for this: there's sexual assault, abuse, self harming, and suicidal ideation, trauma itself. So please, please keep in mind your mental health before deciding to listen. So let's get right into it. So. Let's talk about re traumatization because during this era of Me Too, hashtag well, Me Too, hashtag, apologies. Come on, I am now. not don't plugged in to don't the, forget the hashtag, it's important. <laughs> I'm not plugged into the, the youth <laughs> and the social medias, but uh, so yeah, we're bombarded with stories of sexual assault virtually everywhere. And that means that re-traumatization is a concern. And SAMHSA defines re-traumatization as, quote, reliving stress reactions experienced as results of a traumatic event when faced with a new similar incident. And I can say for me personally, when I found out someone else in my family, this relation um, was being sexually abused as a child, it was massively re-traumatizing for me. I cleared out not one. But two parties with epic, epic panic attacks, including a New Year's Eve party, hence the reluctance to go out on New Year's Eve. I really make a mess of New Year's parties. And re-traumatization can cause a loss of trust, increase of intrusive memories, nightmares, and flashbacks, decrease in willingness to seek treatment, re-experiencing of emotions or symptoms from the original trauma, increase in rates of PTSD or chronic depression, And this was also something that a lot of people experienced during the recent, as we record this, semi-recent, Kavanaugh hearing. And um, thank you to everyone, all of you listeners who wrote in, checking on me during that event. It really meant a lot to me. But it's not just the coverage that we have to think about. It's the social media post, demeaning, diminishing, delegitimizing, degrading, doubting not serious enough, not recent enough.
2: Right. There's so many accusations of wanting fame or yeah. trying to just overall write good man over the coals, essentially, yeah. which is absurd in itself. And they kind of forget because all they hear is the big news and the dramatization of things that it costs a lot for the individual to come out. Christine Ford, who came out and told the story... She had so many death threats, as we know, and she had so many attackers, men and women, which Mm -hmm. is the most absurd thing in the world, talking about she's just seeking out fame, she's just trying to put drama in this moment, blah, 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 all these different things that were absolutely untrue, and she gave up a part of her life for this, Mm -hmm. essentially, by coming out to talk about the trauma that she tried to forget so long ago. And honestly, during this time, because of the situations I had, Caroline from the previous Stuff Mom Never Told You slash Unladylike Now, she actually reached out to me and asked me how I was doing because she understood that I was often triggered by some of these stories in itself. I think she and I had that conversation of, I know this is important, but it's hard for me to see. I know these stories need to be told, but it's hard for me to digest. Yep. It's kind of the same thing where there are movies that are very serious. Um, Precious was Precious, the one. Yeah. I literally had almost all my friends say, don't watch this. Mm-hmm. Because they knew how it would affect me and how it would just kind of spiral. This is kind of why I refuse to watch movies along those lines. Because I have to be able to step away from that because of the job that I'm in, yeah. and I think it's important that we're okay with not having to plummet into this cycle of all these other stories. These mm-hmm. other stories are very, very important, and it should not be uh, lessened in any way, shape, or form, and it should be told. Yeah. But we also, again, for myself and for other victims like yourself, so I'm sure we have to know when's the cap. Yeah, where where is it going to push us over the edge?
3: Yeah, you need to have boundaries, right? And yeah, the whole Christine Blasey Ford thing. um, I just it was bad. It was bad for a lot of people. A lot of people wrote in, and I was in a lift, and um, we were discussing it with me and my friends, my female friends, and the male lift driver was like. Well, why did she wait so long to come forward? I find that very suspicious. And it caused this huge, this huge thing. And um, we're not going to go too much into that in this episode because we do have an episode on um, upcoming on the cost of coming forward and of not coming forward. But just like things like that. Like I'm just trying to go to a restaurant and this guy interjecting and being immediately like, oh, I don't. I don't believe her. Right. It it was difficult. Um another thing that can cause re-traumatization is actually therapy especially during your first session. And if I go back to my first therapy session, I left it in emotional wreck. I felt totally out of control. I felt powerless. I was shocked at how like trying to describe what Ostensibly to me, it was painful, but at least I'd come to terms with it, left me right this wreck. Um, I too. I, I it is. Therapy is raw. Mm-hmm. Um, it
2: leaves you raw. It leaves you feeling helpless because you are being very vulnerable about where, where you were victimized and when you were victimized and have to relive those moments and have to try to swim through the worst parts to come out. Mm -hmm. okay and on the better side and for me the last therapy sessions I had which was a couple of years ago were so intense I would literally not do anything that night because I knew I just could not function
3: yeah
2: it brought me back to that same place of oh my gosh I feel weak oh my gosh I feel vulnerable
3: yeah
2: oh my gosh this feels too real Mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do. And for me, we oftentimes didn't even get to go to the history of my abuse because we had to focus on the re-traumatization I was going through from my work, yeah. whether it's other kids who are being abused or kids who are dying. It just was a constant thing that it was so hard to get to the root of everything else. And it was, a, for like a year and a half, a constant reminder of, okay, you put, your, you put yourself in this place, and because of your work, where are you now? And how are we going to get through this moment, your immediate moment, to make sure you're okay, to, um, all right, let's go to the deep roots of where you're truly hurting. And again, for me, who have uh, repressed memories for Mm -hmm. so many years, trying to dig those up means I have to dig up the emotions first. And no one wants to feel that again. Let's just be honest. Because you do, you become very almost like emotionally, physically sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, I couldn't eat. As, which is one of those signs for me. I didn't want to talk to people. But it got to the point because I knew I was getting there. I would call my one of three people that I had on my emergency list to come and sit with me. There would be no conversation. Mm-hmm. There would be nothing other than they just sat there with me, which is what I needed. And it was because I was having to unearth so many things. And I would say that I'm kind of a pro When it comes to therapy, because, you know, I've been going for over 20 years now. (laughs) Just kidding. Just Uh kidding. (laughs) Mm. Uh, (laughs) But there's been definitely many different types of therapy that I've gone through, whether it's brain mapping, CBT, um, trauma, even religious avenues when I was in that mind frame. And I think all of them were advantageous to a certain extent because it did get me through the next point if that makes sense and it may not have been an end-all and let's be very honest therapy is not an Mm end-all and much like any mental health oftentimes it is gonna be constant it's gonna be chronic it's not gonna be ever cured yeah and you have to remember that because no matter how strong or how far you come along you still have things that you need to talk about you still have things that you need support for and I think it's really important to remember even though this is really ugly this is really painful you have to keep going because it does, in in the end, help you or at least give you a plan how to handle these situations.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean to keep harping on this point, but we, we, we have a future episode on therapy and finding a good therapist because right. it's not always easy, unfortunately. And it's kind of scary. It is. It's very intimidating, especially here in the U.S., I mean, in a lot of countries, but I can speak to in the U.S. when right. insurance plays into things. Right. But all of this we're talking about, like traumatization, social media. This is why trigger warnings. Are important.
2: And here I want to reiterate why this is an important factor for social media posts, TV content, and listening content, such as radio slash podcast. Mm-hmm. It's not just about making things more difficult or dramatic. It's not a kitschy word. It's not a trend. This is a way of protecting someone's mental health and emotions so they can continue in a constructive routine. Yeah. This is not about being a fad. No, and I, I need I need people to understand this because everybody's like oh, trigger warnings, trigger warnings. We're not talking about the fact that these are sad, pathetic people who need to be coddled. We're talking about the things that that have happened to them, which cause trauma, which we should be able to live day to day without having to be reminded. Yeah, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You don't want to hear our stories? We honestly don't want to hear our stories either.
3: No. (laughs) Nah, we'd rather have not gone through them. But, you know. Um, And as I have set up before on this show, I have realized that social media was not, is not a good thing for me. And I've set up pretty strict rules about when I'll interact with it. Um, both personally and professionally, doggy videos all day long. That's what I, <laughs> that's uh, that's what I like. Media? The Dodo. I
2: don't. I don't. You know, it no. has so many animal videos. Makes me so happy.
3: Perfect. So happy. People look that up if you're looking for something to to cheer you up. So we have some more for you listeners, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Can I rant for a sec? Please. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com.
3: Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, treating trauma. The first step for treatment is diagnosis from a professional who may or may not prescribe medications more for the treatment of symptoms, probably like anxiety or depression. Um, Treatment might also involve, like you were saying, Samantha, CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy is what CBT stands for. Exposure therapy, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. A professional will help you come up with a treatment plan that might involve all of these things. A lot of professionals recommend exercise where possible, something that is rhythmic and involves mindfulness. Also, commonly recommended is avoiding isolation. That doesn't mean you have to discuss your trauma, but just putting yourself in social events or activities, even if you don't want to, is something that's suggested. Or like you were saying, Samantha, you have these three people that will just sit with you. That's great. As an introvert, I don't necessarily want to be in a crowd, but
2: having people that I trust just being around, I know Mm -hmm. that's important. Yeah. It's important to have someone
3: there knowing that cares for you. Yes. Um, And it's great if you, because I've been that person for someone else, it's great just like telling them sometimes I might reach out to you and this is what I need when I do. Like, before you reach the point of, oh my God, I need someone, like maybe have that conversation of would you be okay if, when I am in a bad spot, right? can I just contact you and right. we can just hang out? And that's exactly the three people that I reach out to often.
2: I think I have four except she's in, one's in England. Does she really count? <laughs> um, but they know exactly when I'm coming for help that I really need help. And
3: we've discussed what I need. And essentially, it's fairly easy. Just be there. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great like to have that conversation beforehand before it's right. like an emergency situation. Right. So people know. Um, And I can say personally, being active was majorly helpful for me. I know that's not an option for everyone listening. But for me, like just going outside and getting sunlight and being active was huge. I do that too. For me, I need
2: to exercise. Mm -hmm. And it may not necessarily be just exercise. Part of my exercise is dancing with a group. Cardio Jam is what it's called. DeMarco Atlantic Station. Just saying. Um, He's fantastic. (laughs) I love them, But I also... (laughs) got a group of people who were able to support me in a way that is just fun, mm-hmm. that where they may not know my whole history, but we all come together for one purpose, and it's fun. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of the importance of like, yes, this is part of my outing. I get to come here, sweat a little bit, and get to meet new people and who don't necessarily know my trauma, and yeah. that's kind of nice too.
3: Yeah, exactly. And if you are experiencing trauma or a flashback, there are a couple of things you can do. Um, and the best thing, especially with a flashback, is to try to ground yourself in the present. There is something called the five, four, three, two, one exercise. So this goes: you describe five things that you currently see. Describe four things you feel right now. For example, my sweater or the pencil in my hand. Describe three things you can hear. Describe two things you can smell right now or smells in general. And then describe one good thing about yourself. So just try to, like, focus on these physical things around you that you can.
2: Actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know you're going to get to that about barefoot on the floor. Yes. I definitely had those moments of, like, being grounded.
3: Yes. And and perhaps you and I... um, have taken it into an unhealthy realm where I was bruising myself and you were scratching yourself. Right. That's essentially what we were trying to do. We were trying to ground ourselves exactly. in the present. Um, another thing is calling a friend. Yes, which I do. Uh huh. Taking a shower. Yeah, move around, rub your bare feet on the floor, and meditation. Right. And for me, this has been a kind of a newer thing. When I say
2: meditation, I'm not necessarily talking about a Buddhist or Hindu practice, I'm talking about where you become um, aware. Of your environment, there's different sites that I we go on. My favorite is Calm. It's fantastic. There's a woman named Tamara Levitt who has the most calming voice I've really heard. You know what, Annie? You have a really calming voice as well. So I'm not going to lie. I may come on <laughs> to the podcast just to hear your voice to calm me down.
3: Thank you. You know, you know, easygoing. I, d- I didn't pay her to say that. I- <laughs> I have heard that from more than one person, and I'm I'm happy to just do a podcast where I just say bland things uh, if it helps anyone. How about we do like Dr. Seuss rhymes?
2: Ooh, can, Ooh. I want to read
3: my fan fiction. On
2: no, here. your fan fiction is sad. We already know this, <sighs> but we need. If no, I read no, 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 in no, My no. like
3: voice. I
2: don't want <laughs> Harry Potter to die.
3: I don't. Either. I don't. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote it. Anyway, <laughs> um, if we're talking about um self-medication and that—that that is turning to things like drugs or alcohol, a study from the U.S. government found that 25% of people that experience trauma before the age of 16, the rates of alcohol and drug addiction are much higher for them compared to the rest of the population. More women than men are seeking treatment for substance abuse have uh, experienced a trauma in their lifetime. Um, and that is an example of not healthfully treating it. Um, And again, yeah, we're going to talk about that later. Which is
2: just while we're talking about trauma, PTSD, and the typical, that's what you see with a lot of veterans is um, self-medication, as well as the fact, and we're not really talking about this, Healthcare does not cover a lot for medication and or minimally does so, which is a travesty in itself. Right. let's just be real honest and we can't properly treat and or sometimes with a misdiagnosis we treat in, improperly
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, with the wrong medications so we know we have pretty strong narcotics out there class four drugs which are fairly illegal when I say that opiates and those things
3: yes opiates and those things um, we've all heard of them we've all benzoids or opiates oh my goodness
2: <laughs> and all of those Benzoids and opiates, which are fairly highly addictive, yes. uh, cause for a huge problems as well. And that's a whole conversation in itself. And we know at this point, well, it's kind of changed around. Heroin has come back up recently. But for the long while, opiates were more likely used and abused, more so than some of the illegal drugs
3: yep. out there. And more readily prescribed. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, there is something I wanted to talk about before we ended this episode called trauma-informed response. So some schools and organizations are adopting what is called this trauma-informed response, and particularly it's happening in youth-serving organizations, and this involves realizing and understanding the scope of trauma, being able to recognize the impact of trauma not only on an individual but also a staff and a community Responding with understanding and providing support and not putting people in re-traumatizing situations unnecessarily. Right.
2: And I will say uh, for us within the social work field in the government, specifically juvenile area, we have adopted the trauma-informed response in the sense of trauma evaluations. Um, Trauma assessments are being used to see exactly how we can help kids, which is a little more intensive Mm -hmm. and a little more personal and it goes beyond the n- normal mental health assessment because you start digging into the whole picture, which is beyond the, oh, does he have suicidal ideation? Right. Oh, is there mental health in their family? So it's become a little more and more um, used at this time. But for me as a worker, not so much. Yeah, It's not so much used. We do have uh, services that allow us to get some type of counseling for emergency situations, but it's limited,
0: mm-hmm. very
2: limited, and with a limited amount of times as well. So I'll say for the workers, we're behind, but for evaluating the clients, we're getting up there. Mm-hmm. And that's the state of Georgia.
3: <laughs> that's the state of Georgia. Yes, um, And it is a tall order to get this. Experts suggest staff training, reducing triggering events, creating and maintaining a safe work environment, Considering trauma and all policies and plans, and listening to people—that <laughs> just seems basic. But yeah, okay, listening to people and empowering them in their work—and this is a relatively new idea, so it's hard to say how effective this is. But it is one option. I do think that uh, we talked about recently um, about American Disability Association and how a lot of disabilities are invisible, and you can get some kind of consideration for them, but people don't know that. So I think trauma is one of those. PTSD and CPTSD is something that you can go to your boss for, and by law, they are supposed to provide considerations for you. And I'm not saying whether or not it works, how big the compliance rate is. I'm saying that that is technically a thing that should happen. And this is another thing that comes up a lot when you're talking about social workers. Right, and
2: I kind of went over it already, but oftentimes we are supposed to be jack-of-all-trades, so know a little of everything, and that would Mm -hmm. include being able to care for yourself. And I think it's slowly come around. Um, Up until recently, people didn't realize there was a such thing as social work. So having that come to the forefront, I think... Honestly, teachers are in the same boat. Uh, yeah. The things that they have to deal with with their individual students, with the things that they get victimized by, whether it's the parent who come after them or it is a child who comes after them, they're not receiving any of these services either. So right. you've got to look at what our community sees as necessary, Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. And right now it's, Physically, we want to help the victims slash the clients first, mm-hmm. which is why we have such a high turnover. And I know you talked about that about in the nonprofit world and the burnout, but it is part of the reasons because we don't actually care enough right. for the providers and the workers.
3: Yeah, and I um, and I don't want to keep bringing my mom, but I love her, and uh, she was a she was a social worker, right? And I remember being younger and hearing her talk about her day at work and just thinking, oh my God, that sounds so difficult.
2: I'm definitely the Debbie Downer of the group. When people ask me, how'd your day go? And I'm
3: like. <laughs> Terribly. Yeah. And I do want to say my mom was never like, hey, eight-year-old Annie. No, it was just kind of, I would hear in passing. right? Um, and then as I got older and you know, we become more on an even keel. I would ask her, and she would tell me, and just the things she she did when she was my age and younger. I, I'm just constantly like, wow, <laughs> right? I can't believe you you did that, and you mention it as if it's
4: eh,
3: right passing. I love my mom. That's good. Anyway, uh, we do have some resources for you. If there's someone that you suspect is dealing with trauma or if you suspect after hearing all this, maybe you are dealing with trauma, the NIMH advises that you listen attentively. Um, This is more for someone, if you're listening to someone who has trauma, but also to yourself. You can listen to yourself. And you always need to keep your mental health in mind as you're listening to someone that's dealing with trauma, um, encourage them to seek professional help. If that's an option for them, unfortunately, it's not always. But if it is an option, encourage it. Encourage them to take direct action to deal with their stress where they can because it will make them feel less helpless um, and more powerful in their situation. And remind them, it takes time. It's not a straight line. There will be highs and lows. I know people are tired of hearing it, but it's true. Things get better,
2: and let's just again reiterate: there's no cure. No, there's no such thing as cure for trauma,
3: but there is coping mechanisms, and yes. that's important. Yes, and if possible, if you have a support group, I hope you do. If you don't, we're here. <laughs> but it, um, I am really lonely. She's got me. She oh, has not pictures. My call. Ready to go of her dog, not of her. But I mean, I guess if you want, I do
2: have them, but they're all usually me double chin, looking really goofy. If you want those
3: pictures, (laughs) you actually every time you come to the office, you take a picture, and it's pretty spectacular because our office policy requires it. It's not like a thing she does. (laughs) I'm also they're they're pretty scared of me. They're like, let's keep a tab
2: on this girl, (laughs) yes, (laughs) so we can make sure to get rid of her when we can. Jk, um,
3: but yeah, I have some great double chin pictures of me dancing around. Yeah, we're like a dummy. Not even, I don't, exaggerating is not the right word, but, like, we're here if you need us. But um, if you have a support group, reach out to them. Um, avoid making major life decisions. And I just want to put in here, because I did a massive episode on fan fiction a while back. Did you really? Yeah, it was a two-parter, and it wasn't wow. meant to be a two-parter. Wow. It turned into a two-parter. <laughs> Um, I think I could give a dissertation on fan fiction. That's amazing. I actually talk about it every time Marvel comes up because there's a whole related thing, but I won't get into it I'm currently. sure it's like Doctor Who thing as well and Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, my thing. God. Oh, the first fan fiction I ever printed out was the Lord of the Rings fan fiction. Right. It was 79 chapters. I know, nerd thing. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I read a lot of fan fiction. I have and I continue to. I'm not ashamed to admit it. But um, when I was younger... My jam was someone, someone saves Harry Potter from his relatives. Any iteration of it. I loved it. I've read all of it. Um, and I, I actually, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I dream about it sometimes. I dream that I am the person that rescues Harry Potter from his relatives. I mean, if we want to
2: put a downer out there, slash, because that's what I do, let's be really honest. Harry Potter and the things that he went through as a child, he should not be as healthy as he is.
3: I like to think I'm Harry Potter, though. <laughs> do you really think you're that healthy? But was he? No. Exactly. But he was. Well, this is a whole thing. Right? Like, <laughs> we'll just go back and forth.
2: But I mean, yes. he should be slinging poo. His own poo. Like, that's the level he mm, shouldn't be. No.
3: I like to think that Sorry, I'm guys. him, and I wanted someone to rescue him because I wanted fair. someone to rescue me. And that's me. fair.
2: That's a whole different level, but he mm-hmm. literally did not have a positive influence at all in his life until he was eleven. Well, eleven. Eleven. At eleven, and that causes, and we'll again that rabbit hole about attachment issues. <laughs> yes, and we can talk about that, but I won't.
3: Don't spoil Harry I won't. Potter Harry for Potter's, me. Harry Potter's is gorgeous, and I. I not physically. I mean the story. So hardcore with Harry Potter, I can't explain it. It was. There I can explain me. it.
2: Every time we've met up, she's wearing Harry Potter
3: gear. That's actually not a lie. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> or not. She is telling the truth. Absolute truth. My mom gave me a lot of Harry Potter stuff for Christmas, and uh, I'm wearing it. There's a couple more things we have to discuss, but first, we're going to take one more quick break. Forward from our sponsor.
1: Oh.
0: Tennessee just sounds perfect, whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise, all things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands
3: Uh, Before we wrap up, I did want to talk about the shift that I've had recently and how I view my personal traumatic events because I have for a long time viewed it as a weakness. And during the height of my abuse, every day I struggled with something I called the problem of a closed door. And actually that has roots to a Harry Potter fan fiction. I won't go into that right now, but it does. So the two men that abused me, They would invite me to watch movies with them every night in my family's upstairs den. And I knew in one way or another, I was going to be hurt. It would be worse if I didn't go. And between the den and my room was my little brother's room. And all of our rooms were on the second level. So to not wake my little brother, I would go down a set of these creaky stairs through the living room, through the kitchen, and up another flight of creepy, creepy, yeah, creepy, creepy and creaky stairs, and I could see the door to the upstairs den where I knew these abusers were waiting from the foot of the stairs, and I could hear them laughing, and I would slowly walk up the stairs, and I was petrified, and I would try not to make a sound in case, like, maybe I'd change my mind so they wouldn't know I was there. My knees would be shaking. I would stare at the door. I would try to make myself open it. I would stand there and I would think, I'm so weak. I'm so pathetic to let this happen again and again, to be so afraid. But every night, I found something in me. I found the strength to open that closed door. And it wasn't until recently that that's, I realized that's what it was. It was strength. It was courage. Um, but I closed myself off for a long time. I couldn't separate myself. From these traumatic events, I defined myself through these traumatic events. And even when I was out of that abusive situation, I still faced the problem of the closed door. Some days I have the strength to open that door, to let people in, to make myself vulnerable. Some days I don't. That's what healing is. It is not a straight line.
2: It is healing. And you're absolutely correct. There's no straight line when it comes to healing. And therefore, honestly, no fix-all. This is why self-medication is often used and it's used consistently. The idea of not having to deal is so appealing to pretend like it never happened. And unfortunately, we are asked by society to not deal with it and to not acknowledge that it happened because it makes people uncomfortable. You know what? F*** you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are not here to make you comfortable with the trauma that has been imposed on us. We should not have to feel shame for something that we didn't choose. We should not have to feel shame for someone violating our rights, violating our love, and violating our trust. If you truly want to be an ally, slash if those around us truly want to be an ally, they would not shut us down. No. And those who do, who are uncomfortable, are not true allies. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right, and that's absolutely what it is. People want to talk about feminism and strength and and empowering, but they don't want to talk about the ugly side of what you have to go through to be empowered. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, to be vulnerable costs survivors more than the spectators. It just honestly does. For us to be honest, to let you see some of the weakest and darkest moments of our lives, that costs us so much more than you know. Yeah. And that means that we trust you in some form or we're ready to move forward in advocating for others. We're not doing this for ourselves. No. Ms. Ford was not doing this for herself. She was doing this to protect the United States of America. Yeah. Which she should. And unfortunately, she got dragged over the coals for it. And that's ridiculous. This is not how society should be, but is.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And um, these episodes are, are not easy or as, and I know they're not easy for you, for you listening. Um, And that's why we try to end uh, on some some talk about what we're doing, some self-care stuff. Uh, Before we go into that, I do want to say, we've been talking a lot about upcoming episodes. Um, We're going to be looking in depth at coping mechanisms or bad coping mechanisms, and specifically therapy. And we're going to be Looking at survivors and what it means to be a survivor and advocacy. But the next episode, because these past two have been pretty difficult for us and I imagine for you, will be a little bit on the lighter side. We meant it for, we meant for it to be on the lighter side, but then it kind of ballooned out to something else. (laughs) But um, it's going to be looking at uh, sex, women, and society and. We're going to be talking about masturbation and sexualization. And liking sex? What? What? Women don't like sex. Samantha, ridiculous. (laughs) You don't know me. (laughs) Actually, you do. I do. Um, But uh, in terms of what we're doing in self-care, I just want to say that this episode was really difficult, and we did break it up into— we broke up writing it into more than one day. We even talked about it a little bit in our last episode. Um, We're just trying to be very aware of uh, taking care of ourselves. And uh, I I spoke about in the last episode that I was going to watch Spider-Man 3. And I have an update for everyone. I did watch Spider-Man 3, not once, but twice, because I really wanted to get a good opinion on it. In my opinion is it's not good. But it's not as bad as everyone says it is. That is a (laughs) non-opinion. I think it was better than everyone led me to believe. But it wasn't a good movie. Anyway, for the D&D fact of the episode. (laughs) So, I've said before, I got into playing Dungeons & Dragons as official medical advice to deal with my CPTSD. But I also did it to help me figure out the ending to something I was writing. And my D and D character is based on a character from a book that I wrote. And I would describe her as she she is my trauma personified. She's not me per se, but she's like trauma. Um, and I wanted to play her because she's a mess, and I love her. But I couldn't figure out how her story ends. And I have to tell you, playing her as a character. I immediately knew how her story ends. She dies. She dies? Yes. Of course she dies.
2: You killed Harry Potter. Good yeah.
3: gosh. I'm going <laughs> to shake my head on this one. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I killed Harry Potter in my her- epic 72 chapter Harry Potter fanfiction. I'm still disappointed by that announcement during our New Year's. It was a bummer party. to me too. <laughs> I mean, I put him through terrible things and then I killed him. Like I mean, he did not Come even, on. I didn't give him any happiness. Anyway. So maybe this is a spoiler alert because I do hope to publish it one day, but as I played her, I knew in my heart immediately, she dies. And I was taken aback because it was like, I guess I knew this all along, but I hadn't been willing to acknowledge it. And I it got me to thinking, if she dies, I get to live, right? She's right. Essentially, trauma.
2: what you are doing is killing off the trauma that holds right. weight over you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get it. Still can't believe you just kill off everybody, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> Goodbye, Genesis. Um, oh, is that her name too? Genesis, the beginning died. Yeah. So for me, uh, you guys have already heard about my amazing dog Peaches Gertrude McFusson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say I got her due to my anxiety, and her being dickish. It's <laughs> kind of a great. I, like dist- your heavy quotes. I, I did. I had to do quotes because she did heavy quotes. I mean, she—it's true because she's a great distractor and will actually get me out of the house whether I want to or not. She mm. does help me focus a little bit. I also make her wear socks. Yes, you do. But that's only when she's too crazy. Like. I have tried everything: melatonin, Benadryl, natural dog stuff, all the dog stuffs. Mm-hmm. So don't sh- dog shame me. I no. know not all dogs like clothes, and my dog does not like clothes. But also, it's really funny to watch her not being able to walk in socks.
3: Yeah, she it does bring does me a little really, bit of joy.
2: She does the funny tip tapped Yeah, I just made a weird, crazy voice, didn't I? But I mean, she's crazy, right? Oh yeah. And when I say crazy, I mean jumping up and down. Peeing when she meets strangers crazy.
3: Yeah, she did give me a bloody lip. still feel like she, you know, you just try to kiss her too hard. That could S- be true. Slash, Actually, really that happened dogs. the night we conceived this many series. true.
2: <laughs> sure, that kind of was like the blood seal of, yeah. this is <laughs> what, <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> it Peaches has granted Peaches, it.
3: yeah. She was like, we must complete the deal with blood. <laughs> um, one thing we wanted to do um, at the end of these episodes with our self care bit is include our super producer Andrew, Andrew, whom you have heard us think at the end of episodes. Um, but like I said, I remember being on the other side as an editor of the show and it being really tough. Right. So we wanted to include Andrew in the self care bit. So so right. here he is.
4: Hey listeners, this is producer Andrew. Uh, I usually go the way of the. Silent producer, i.e., Jerry, uh, save the occasional sneeze or what have you. But Annie asked me if I'd like to be part of this little self help bit, and I figured why not. Generally, my go to for personal care is music, whether that's listening to records, going to shows, or performing. I don't think I've ever had a bad time at a concert before, Uh, especially when you go in without expectations, Uh, say for a performer you don't know particularly well. You were just recommended the show by a friend. Turns out to be one of the best shows you've seen in a while. And then also, uh, obviously, performing music is uh, one of the most therapeutic things I know of, at least for me. Uh, Especially playing with friends and also playing with people who you just met. It's a great way to connect with otherwise total strangers in a very relaxing kind of way. Also playing music by yourself is also really nice, too just uh, without any real intent of writing a song or performing. Just doing it for yourself can be really good. But other than music, I'm a big fan of good old solitude. Every now and again. Obviously, I enjoy company. I enjoy going out. But I need at least one night a week of solitude. Sometimes I meditate. Sometimes I daydream. Uh, I consider myself a reflective person and benefit from taking time to step back and be mindful of what's been going on in my life.
3: If any of you listeners have any questions, please send them our way. If you have them, someone else probably has them, and we'd love to answer them on air. We're thinking about doing a Q&A episode at the end of all of this. And we're also planning possibly, if enough people show some interest, a get-together in person to talk about all of this stuff. So keep a lookout for more details on that. Thanks, as always, to Samantha. Yes,
2: and come hang with me.
3: I'm so lonely. I'll sing you a song. She will sing you a song and she's also the best. Oh, um, stab it. I love her. Just it. Um, and thanks to you for listening. If you would like to write to us, you can. or email us momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast and on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told you. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrew Howard. And thanks to you for listening.
0: This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking.